You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. So as I mentioned, we're on a series on courage. Today's message is on the power of courage. Last week, if you were here, we talked about how to build courage, how to take courage. Courage can be built. Courage can get stronger. And if you missed that, you can always go back online, catch the messages, and stay abreast with what we're doing. So that was last week. When we reflect on 9-11, and I'm sure every one of us here can probably think back to where you were that day. Do you remember where you were when you heard the news? It was pretty early here in the morning that Tuesday, and we heard the news, and we can probably reflect on what happened that day, and we look back at it. It was undoubtedly one of the greatest things that will happen this century, and history was changed from it. The way we traveled changed. It was an, an event that affected all of our lives. And at that event, certainly we look back and we recognize and remember some really courageous people Courage was found there, and there was all the ingredients for the courageous to be there. There was danger. When there's danger, you'll find the courageous. There was a need for endurance, and we saw pictures of firefighters, police officers, volunteers who endured for sometimes hours, days, and weeks, and even months responding to the cause. And then there was also something else, a key ingredient. There was a strong moral conviction There was uh, uh, selflessness, uh, uh, a love where you say, it's not about me. It's about laying down my life for others. And so those three things are really ingredients for great courage to be there. A sense of danger, a need, a cause, an endurance, and also, also these moral principles, godly principles to respond to it. When we look back on that day, we, we think of courageous people and people that made a difference, people that changed things. It inspires us. We reflect on it and we can learn from it. There is a documentary that came out after that and it was based on the lives of the people there. It was called Forever Changed, 9-11 in Remembrance. And at the end of the documentary, some of the firefighters and others that had survived reflected on that and all the heroes that were involved with it. I want to play just a little clip of it and listen carefully to the words that they're sharing and how it relates to this topic of courage as we move forward. There are different heroes in different situations. There are different people that deserve that label. But I don't know of a more fitting label or title for those guys that were running up the stairs than a hero. I am uh, honored by them. I am humbled by them. And I hope that uh, we never forget their sacrifice. To me, it makes a hero is somebody that is scared and still does it and still gets it done. He doesn't complain. He gets it done no matter what. He's scared. And he still can pull it together enough to get something done. It's doing anything to help people. Where Whatever happens to you is not important. It's regardless of how you're going to be affected. And, uh, and, and, and actively taking that role. Any person that went there to help, the firemen, the police officers, the EMS workers, I mean... It's like you're giving yourself up for another human being when you do this, let's face it. 
and I just found it amazing. And I don't know what else they could have done. I mean, they went the nine yards, if not even more. These guys were heroes, there's no doubt about it. It's the same thing, you know, a guy in the military who's, you know, under fire and goes out of his way to save somebody, and then these are heroes, and that's what the firefighters were. They were in those buildings. They knew what they were going into, not knowing how bad it, it got, you know, uh, once they went into the building, and, and then the next breath, the buildings came down around them. These were true heroes. But we forget the D.C. Uh, uh, firefighters, the police, the, the Pentagon. The, you know, the Pentagon is like its own city. Their firefighting department, uh, their first responders, uh, the guys out in Pennsylvania, and and every really, everyone around the country, this surge in people joining these kind of departments was unbelievable to watch too. People joining the police department, volunteer firefighters, joining the military, when you knew that we were marching towards war. There was no question that if you joined the military right after 9-11, we were about to enter a conflict into a place that we didn't know a lot about. Maura Smith, she was a female cop that died at a 13th precinct. Didn't know her, first I ever heard of her, but I remember looking at photos of her, and every single time you saw a photo of her, she was helping somebody else out of the building. There had to be dozens of people that she helped out of the building, kept on going back in and getting somebody else going back in until finally, when the building came down, she ran out of time. And I'll never forget her, even though I'd never met her, and that's why I think Morris Smith was a hero. Because I know how scared everybody was. And she she put herself last. And I know Mike Curtin, the sergeant uh, that was killed, he was getting everybody out of that building. And I, I can just picture him standing there until he knows that his whole team is out. And I think he was the last one standing when that building came down. That's a hero to me. He could have ran. For someone like Captain Terry Hatton to say to me, I love you, brother, I may never see you again, and then go up the stairs. Where do you find men like that? That's, that's the last... Uh... Last sentence in the documentary, where do you find men like that? Not a good question. Where do you find men like that? Where do you find women like that? Where do you find those heroes? Where do you find people with that kind of courageous uh, actions? Where do we find them? The world's looking for courageous people. And uh, the world's looking to be courageous. We want to be courageous. It used to be that You had to be courageous just to survive. You had to be courageous to survive the winter. You had to be courageous to protect your village. You had to be courageous to hunt. You had to be courageous to to shoot a bow. It was part of where we were. Maybe even uh, less than 100 years ago, there was acts of moral and physical courage that were needed just to survive. But 21st century is a little bit different. But still the need, the desire to be courageous is there. We have a lot of activities that require physical courage, more so perhaps than ever before. 
and there's a demand for it. We saw that yesterday, if you were downtown early in the morning, we had 7,000 guys on bikes, not guys only, but guys and gals, biking by our church, 128 kilometers up to Whistler on the Grand Fondo, and they're all biking up there. And last year, 3,000 and some. This year, 7,000. Sold out six months in advance, and people are, yeah, I want to do it. It takes courage to do that. You get on a bike, go all the way up to Whistler, and uh, great activity, great to do. It takes courage to do that. And there's kind of in our culture this desire to be courageous, but seems a bit of a void on, that's physical, physical courage, but on moral courage to be courageous on some of these other issues. In his book, on, it's called Moral Courage, written by a fellow named Dr. Uh, Rushworth Kidder. He's a founder of the Institute for Global Ethics. He said this, With physical courage, less obviously in demand as we move into the 21st century, where is courage to be learned and practiced? How will the young, in particular, celebrate this old rite of passage? Where, specifically, will the risks come from that test their courage? Will they find the risks in dangerous lifestyles that include unsafe sexual behavior, chemical dependency, and gang activity? Is that where they're going to demonstrate their courage? And I know from some of the guys that are in our church that used to be in gangs, and they didn't come from, quote-unquote, the other side of the tracks. They didn't come from necessarily even broken families, but they came from families that were busy, and uh, their friends said, hey, why don't you join up with us? If you do this break and entry, if you do this sale, if you do this, man, you have got courage, and it's your rite of passage. Now you're the man. You're a man. And there's a world looking for somebody to say, you're the man, or you're courageous. You did it. He goes on to write in his book here, Will they find them in newly popular forms of contrived risk-taking, extreme sports, survival treks, or even perilous financial ventures? It is though the young are saying, if, if nature, war, and the need for survival are not going to test our courage, we'll invent other ways, for we need to prove to ourselves and others that we really are courageous. And so there's this desire to be courageous. Last week we spoke on how courage is built. And courage can't be built if there's not a cause. There has to be a need. There has to be kind of a demand for courage for somebody to step up to the plate or we end up making something up. Certainly there was a demand for it in 9-11. This desire to be courageous comes from somewhere and it has to be fueled. It has to be fostered. A lot of people are talking about it. And you'd be surprised where it's said. I was on the Docker's website, Levi Strauss, I came across this. And you'd be surprised what they put on their website about the need for courage. I'm going to put up a picture of their website, and we'll read it together here. I'll show you their website. And this is what they had to say on their website. Well, you know, stepping up and being courageous. It says, once upon a time, men wore the pants and wore them well. Women rarely had to open doors, and little old ladies never crossed the street alone. Men took charge because that's what they did. But somewhere along the way, the world decided no longer needed men. Disco by disco, latte by foamy non-fat latte, men were stripped of their khakis and left stranded on the road between boyhood and androgyny. But today, there are questions our genderless society has no answers for. The world sits idly by as cities crumble, children's misbehave, and those little old ladies remain on one side of the street. For the first time since bad guys, we need heroes. We need grown-ups. We need men to put down their plastic forks, step away from the salad bar, and untie the world from the tracks of complacency. It's time to get your hands dirty. It's time to answer the call of man, and it's time to wear the pants. So there you go. Straight from Levi Strauss. Yeah. Well said. 
So the world's saying, be courageous, step up and do something courageous. God says, be courageous. That's God's challenge to us. His challenge to Coastal Church this month. We're talking about courage. It's not because we said, oh, that'd be a nice topic. We really sense that the Holy Spirit is directing us to talk about courage, to be prepared to be courageous, to build courage, to take courage, to be of good courage. I don't know what's on the forefront. I'm not here to predict doom and gloom. But this one thing I know, that every one of us have a cause. Every one of us has something that God puts on our heart that we will need to be courageous for. And the preparation we put into whatever is ahead of us will help us to respond when that hour comes. And we want to be able to respond with courage. I had called Gordon Pennington, a friend of ours who lives in New York. He's a longtime resident there, knows the city well, loves that city, lives by the park there. And I asked him, I said, what was it like 10 years ago? You, explain to me, what was the atmosphere in New York? You're a New Yorker. What was it like? He said, Dave, we, we didn't know what hit us. When the first plane hit and then the second plane hit, New Yorkers thought there was more coming. And who could blame them? He says, and there, there was fear, there was confusion, there was retreat and he said, it was, it, was, it was chaos. We didn't know what was happening. And he went on to say that, you know, we had firefighters died, top-ranking officers died, 343 fighters died, 23 police officers died, close to 3,000 people from 115 15 different nations died. And it was, it was a day of chaos. He said the sad thing was that a lot of churches were confused. A lot of those who thought would be running too were actually in bunker mentality. Let's just retreat, get into our bunker, and let's just hold out there instead of running to the situation. Courage doesn't just happen. It's not a fluke. It's a result of preparation. And uh, he said there were some that responded. They really were encouraging to him. He said, Dave, one of the guys that I know, he was the president of Campus Crusade, and his name's Chuck Price. Chuck was in Orlando, Florida, in a meeting there, and they heard the news, like we all did on television and radio. They shut down their meeting, got in their van, because there was no flights, drove through the night, and got to New York, and went right to action. They were prepared. They were ready. They called all their volunteers, all their contacts, and they were right there at ground zero from day one helping. He said, Dave, another guy we had in our city, his name is Pastor Carl Keyes, and he was a pastor at Glad Tidings Church in lower Manhattan. And when he heard the news, before the day was over, he had a bunch of volunteers organized at ground zero, and they went to work right away. And he said, well, what did he do? I said, well, what, what did he organize? Like, what, he show up, everybody's running, and you run to it. What would you do? And he started just meeting needs. Brother Littlefield, who helped mentor us when Cheryl and I took a year for further training in Tennessee, he said, because we were wondering what our cause was. Last week when we talked about courage has a cause, a number of people came out for prayer afterwards and said, well, what's my cause? David had a cause. You're talking about these causes, but what's my cause? And we asked Brother Littlefield that question. Brother Littlefield, what's our cause? And we'll never forget his answer. It works for us to this day. He said, Dave, it's not hard. Find a need and meet it. That's all you got to do. Look around. Just find a need to meet it. Find another need to meet it. And pretty soon you'll have more work than you ever knew what to do with. Just find a need to meet it. You'll find your cause. I never forgot it. Pastor Carl Key shows up here, or up at that ground zero where this tragedy was, and he just takes that approach. What do you guys need? The fireman said, we need more boots. He said, I'll get you some boots. Got him boots. 
He said, what else do you need? He said, we, we don't have no more masks. We're out of masks. We're, we've run out of masks. He said, I'll get you some masks. But he can't find any masks. And you can imagine the stench of burning plastic and paper and steel and, and human flesh. It was just an atrocious, atrocious toxic environment. So toxic. And uh, so they went looking for masks, couldn't find any of these masks. The only masks that were even close to being available were en route to the Chrysler Corporation. And so he phoned up the executives at Chrysler Corporation, top with one of the top executives, says, cancel your order, reroute it, we need it at ground zero. And the guy says, okay, how did you get a hold of me? We'll, we'll do it. But that's how he responded. Then from there, Mary, Mary Giuliano said... Everybody who's been out there working on the front lines, they need eight hours of counseling. And this pastor said, all right, we'll set up a counseling center two blocks from there, and we'll give the counseling that these people need. He just ran to it. He had a, how do you find your cause? If you don't remember anything else this morning, I'd take this and write it down, find a need and meet it. Just start where you are. What do you see? What needs to be done? Sometimes we're looking for some grandiose cause that we could put on a, on a business card. And right in front of us, there's a need. We could just roll up our sleeves and I'll do that. But somebody might not notice. I might not get a pat on the back. That's right. I don't think he was noticed, Pastor Carl Keyes. Now you can search for it and find it. But it just started off by finding and needing, meeting it. That's courage. Finding a cause, running to it. Moral courage, strong courage. God's called us to be strong and courageous. Joshua chapter 1, 6 to 9 is there in your notes. And uh, if you have your... Bibles go there or the notes. And here we read God speaking to Joshua. And I've underlined some things, made them bold in your notes to help us. It says, be strong and courageous. For you will lead my people to possess all the land I swore to give their ancestors. Be strong and what kind of courage? Very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Obey all the laws Moses gave you. Do not turn away from them. For, and you will be successful in everything you do. Be strong and courageous, and you do. Be strong and courageous, and you do. Be strong and courageous, and you do. Courage has action. Remember what the guy said on the video? He said, these guys are scared, but they just did it anyhow. That's courage. Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage isn't like, okay, now I got this all under control, and I can do it. No, courage is, I don't understand it all. I'm battling fear, but I must go anyhow. Like they said in that video, they were all afraid. But they said, no, we have to go. We must go. And this is our Lord saying here, don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Do it. Study the book of law continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that's written in it. Only then will you succeed. We all want to succeed, right? Who wants to fail? Nobody wants to fail. We want to succeed. What's the answer to success? What's the answer to being courageous is meditating in God's word. So much of courage is preparation. So much of it is preparation. If you want to be, if you want to do this 128 kilometer ride up to Whistler, how many of you'd have to do some preparation? If you want to do, if we want to scale a wall, you'd have to do preparation. If you wanted to do the gross grind, you'd have to do preparation. We understand with physical courage, there has to be preparation to do something courageous. The same thing with moral courage. If you want to do something with, that has a great cause, you have to have the preparation. Where did the preparation come from? It comes from meditating on God's word, preparing yourself for it. He says, and then do it. It goes on here to say, be sure to obey. Do it. Be sure to obey. Then he says, 
I command you, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord, your God's with you wherever you go. I think God's got a word for Coastal Church this morning. Be strong, be courageous. Coastal Church, be strong, courageous, and do it. The same thing that uh, Solomon heard from his dad. David says to him in 1 Chronicles, Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and, and what? Again, do it. Strong and do it. Now, David had helped prepare him, helped train him, got all the materials ready, but now it's time to do it. To do it. Courageous people don't just step up to the plate and do something. There's been something done before they got there. David, when he faced Goliath, he had killed the lion, killed the bear. There was things that happened. And all you're doing, get prepared to be courageous. He said, be strong and courageous and do it. I think that's maybe where Nike got it from right there. Just do it. You know, they just put the just in there. Be strong and courageous and do it. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed again for the Lord my God will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you finish all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Yeah. Good to be prepared. Yesterday, or not yesterday, I guess it was Friday. I don't know if any of you guys felt it. I was in, my, in our apartment and all of a sudden around 12.45 or somewhere there, I started to get a little dizzy. I thought, this is weird. And then I noticed things were moving in the apartment. And then I picked a point across the street, and I noticed that our building was just swaying about half an inch. I go, ooh, <laughs> this is an earthquake. Is this the big one? And you start thinking. And uh, Cheryl says, can you come over here? So I went to where Cheryl was. And uh, you know what we started thinking right away? Are we prepared? Do we have flashlight do we have some water right away we're thinking are we prepared and they tell us all the time you know someday vancouver's gonna have an earthquake be prepared you know if you're not prepared it's very hard to be courageous on that day if you don't have anything set aside if you don't have a game plan what do you have you've got confusion you don't know where which stairs to take you don't know which exit to take you don't do i hide under a table do i go here do i go there where do i go ah what do i do Hard to be courageous when you don't know what to do, right? It's hard to take the step. It's hard to be confident. In the, in the presence of that fear that comes at you, courage comes from being prepared. God's calling us to be prepared, to be morally courageous in a toxic world that we live in. The Bible is filled with lots of examples of people that were courage, courageous, Ed Cole, in his book, uh, Courage, a Book for Champions, I like this sentence. He says, God's power is released to the degree that obedience is exercised and no more. Isn't that, isn't that a lot in that one statement? His power is released to the degree that obedience is exercised and no more. When God was speaking to Joshua, be strong and courageous, yeah, he had about 3 million people that he had to lead into another country. But really the courage was going to be was to obey God's word. And there will be days in your life and my life where it's going to take guts to obey God's word. And sometimes when we take a stand for what we believe in, our friends say, man, if that's where you're going, you're off my Facebook. I just deleted you from Facebook. Or, or you're no longer being Twittered to. Or you, you feel rejection. And it takes courage to say, you know what? I'm going to take a stand for this. But God's looking for people like that. He's asking us to be strong and courageous. Again, the Bible is filled with examples of that. But I'd like to go to one guy, Joseph, and uh, his story of courage. Moral courage is amazing. A great example to look at today. 
Joseph, as you know, is his dad's favorite. His dad makes a special coat, the coat of many colors, and uh, Joseph is favored, and his brothers hate him for it. And uh, they, they didn't understand something. The favor that was on Joseph's life was not in spite of his brothers. That favor was for his brothers. Sometimes when people are favored and achieve great things, we get envious or we get jealous and we want to bring them down. And what often we don't realize is that favor is not in spite of us. That favor is actually for us. It would bless his brothers, but they didn't see it at that time. Years later, they would see it. But at this point, they're just upset that their brother appears to be favored and they're not having the treatment that he is. So they hate him. They're really upset at their brother Joseph. And then Joseph has a dream And it says in Genesis 37 that they couldn't say a kind word to him. One night Joseph had a dream and promptly reported the details to his brothers, causing them to hate him even more. So his brothers don't like him. He has this dream. And if you know the dream, in the dream, he is exalted above his brothers. And he tells them the dream. That takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of guts, right? right. He's a little brother. You, he would, you would have been picked on and all the rest. They said mean things to him. But then he stands up and says, guys, I had a dream, and you're in my dream. And guess what? You're going to bow to me. That's like, that takes a lot of courage. But he's, he tells them his dream. It takes courage to share your dream. There's power in courageous people. I say, I have a dream. Just those words, I have a dream. Does it remind you of anybody? Does it remind you about somebody whose powerful dream still affects us today? Martin Luther King spoke those words in 1963 with great moral courage. He said, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. He spoke that out with great courage. And the power of that, we still play that clip. We're still inspired by it. But I have a dream. Joseph stood up and said, you guys hate me, but I have a dream. You don't understand it, but I have a dream. Earlier on, Martin Luther had said, if you will protest courageously and yet with dignity and Christian love, that's those moral principles, when the history books are written in future generations, the historians will have to pause and say, there lived a great people, a black people, who injected new meaning and dignity into the veins of civilization. Wow. The power of a dream. And here's young Joseph, a teenager. He stands up and says, I have a dream. Courage to speak them out. Not afraid of men. Galatians chapter 1, 10 talks about the fear of men. Paul said, obviously, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. No, I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a Christ servant. You can't be a courageous person and just live to please people. You have to know, I am here too. Live up the dream God's put in my heart. Secondly, what did Joseph do that was courageous? He survived the betrayal, and he, was, he adapted himself into the Egyptian culture. Think about this for a bit. The guy's thrown into a pit. Uh, his brothers leave him for dead. They want to kill him, but they decide, oh, let's just leave him in the pit. These camel traders come along, and they see them. They say, oh, what a brilliant idea. We'll sell them to the camel traders. Uh, well, they don't trade camels, but they rode camels or traders. You know what I mean. And so they haul them out of the pit. They sell them to the, these traders. And, uh, yeah, and they sell them to the traders. And he take, they take them to Egypt. Now, he's not riding in a bus. He's being almost dragged behind these camels in chains into Egypt. He gets there, put on an auction block, and he's sold 
He's bought by the guy who's in charge of the king's army, Potiphar, and he's brought to his house. What a new world. Doesn't know the language, doesn't know the culture. He's in his late teens. He's a slave, and he's brought into this situation. Amazing courage to stand up and say, wait a minute, I am not going to stay here. He could have rolled up, got depressed, and said, this is it. I'm just going to commit suicide. I'm going to die. It's so bad. But he doesn't do it. There in Potiphar's house, it says that he began to do something. Began to do something. If you go back and read the account in Genesis, it says that God blessed what he did. Be strong and courageous and do it. Be strong and courageous and do it. Strong and courageous and do it. I know I'm repeating myself, but just for a reason. Strong and courageous and do it. He got into Potiphar's house. He did something. And Potiphar said, I like what you're doing. God's hand was on him. He rose to the top. It took courage to do it. He could have said, I'm mad at the world. I'm mad at my family. I'm mad at my friends. I'm mad at God. Some people are mad at God. I'm mad at God because he didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted him to and not in the timing I wanted to. And so I'm not going to serve God. It didn't happen the way I wanted to. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to serve him. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at people. Joseph wasn't mad at God. He wasn't mad at his brothers. He wasn't mad at Potiphar. He was strong and courageous and did it. Man, I'm preaching for somebody this morning. God's saying be strong and courageous. I know it looks like it's been backwards, but hang on. God's got a plan for you in this situation. It looked like in all natural perspective, it looks like his life is going backwards, right? It gets worse for him. He does a really good job, and you know what happens? His next great act of courage is he, he defeats sexual temptation. Potiphar's wife is a good-looking lady, but she's a cougar. And she's after, <laughs> she's after Joseph. Joseph is a really handsome guy. History tells us that, it's not recorded in the Bible, but historical writings tell us that Joseph was so handsome that she got all her socialite friends together and she kind of paraded Joseph in front of them and said, look at this amazing guy who works for me. And she sets out to seduce him. And not just one time, twice, or three times, but she's daily saying, hey, Joseph. (laughs) However she did it. (laughs) Seducing him. And she wants to get Joseph in the sack, and Joseph, it's, he didn't even want to be with her. It says in Genesis, it says that she kept putting pressure on him day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. It's like, I've got to stay out of this lady's way. She's prowling. She's after me. <laughs> and so he, he beats sexual temptation, and he's framed for it, she turns on him, and he's thrown in jail. Now, at this point in your life, you'd be thinking, yeah, I have a dream, but, man, it's a long ways away. This is just getting worse and worse. I get sent to Egypt. I got to work for this guy. I do really good. I get thrown in prison after this cougar tries to attack me. And now, and now I'm in jail, and he doesn't spend one year there, 10 years in jail. And he's like, can it get any worse? It's like he's going backwards. His dream was there, and every step seems to be going backwards. He goes forward three steps, and it's like four steps backwards. Maybe you feel like that with your cause, your dream. 
Folks, that's what God calls a slingshot, where he pulls you back because he wants to propel you forward. And that's where Joseph was. He was about to be propelled forward. There is a fellow by the name of Ken Wales. He's an award-winning TV film producer. And he started his Hollywood career as an actor. And early on in his career, he was given a chance to star with Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, and Shirley MacLaine. I mean, that'd be a pretty good group to star with in a movie, pretty good cast. In the script, he's supposed to entice a young woman, get her drunk, and then take advantage of her. And he says, don't want to do the role, don't want to do the part. And so he's called in, and here's how he describes it. He said, I've been speaking to a lot of church groups and conventions around the world on the subject of making right choices. So when I read the script, I had to meet with a director to tell him I couldn't do it. He told me, you'll do it or you're out of the contract. You'll go on suspension, you'll have no salary for a year, and I'll see that you never work in this town again. I told him he'd have to find someone else, and he literally threw me out of his office. I was put on suspension when the film came out the following year. I was speaking at a youth convention in Denver to about 600 kids. We took a break at dinner time, and everybody piled out to see a movie and get a pizza. As we started to walk across the street, there was a huge marquee with a sign for the movie I turned down. And I thought, that was interesting. What if I'd done that film and the kids had gone in and seen it? Wales went on to say that declining that role actually propelled him into his current role as a film and TV producer. And sometimes when we're courageous and take a stand on these things, we think it's going to take us backwards when actually it's going to propel you forward into your dream. And I think we have a world today that needs more people to be courageous when it comes to sexual temptation. Because it's everywhere. And to be prepared for it, you've got to do something beforehand. I think Joseph had made some decisions beforehand. He knew his God, he knew the covenant, and he had his mind somewhere else. That when that temptation came, because it would have been really easy in Egypt, who's going to know? He's away from mom and dad and all his brothers, and he's by himself in another world where it was a different culture. It would have been so easy to say, yeah, I'm just going to go with this. But he says, no. He actually tells her, I cannot do this. Not I will not do it. I cannot do it. I cannot sin against my God. I have a moral conviction. I have a moral courage that prohibits me from doing what you want me to do. And trust me, guys, his testosterone was no different than any other teenager. There was, he was off the charts at that age just like any other guy. He would have been thinking thoughts like anybody else. But he says, no, I cannot do it. And he had the courage to say no. You have to prepare for that. One of the greatest ways I know to prepare for it that we can offer as a church is Wednesday night. We have a great course called Freedom Sessions. And I'd encourage you to come out Wednesday night. Check it out. Hey, would this be something to help prepare me? We could look around the room today, and if we did a survey, we'd find out there's a lot of people in this room today, whether it be your marriage was broken, your parents' marriage was broken, or you know somebody, it's within an arm's length of a somebody whose life was turned upside down because... They didn't have the courage to stand up to that kind of a temptation. I don't know if there's a week goes by that we don't answer the call to some guy who's trapped in pornography. Takes courage. No, not going to do it. Takes courage to turn away from a smutty joke. Takes courage to say, no, not going to bed with you. I'm going to wait till I get married. What? I have people say to me, you mean you actually expect me not to have sex until I get married? Are you crazy? No. 
God just loves us enough to protect us from STDs, broken relationships, unwanted pregnancies. He designed it. He said, this is, the fire is best in the fireplace. Sex is best in the marriage. Mr. and Mrs. Amen have now left the congregation. (laughs) I don't know. I just believe God's word. I think it takes courage to live this way. I think it was courage, courageous for Joseph to live that way. I know we swim upstream. I know it's not popular, but I'm with Paul. I'm not trying to please people. I'm just trying to live for what Jesus said to do. I think it's the safest way to be. There's no condemnation. I think if we did a survey, again, we've all struggled, and you could have a wide variety of responses to it, but we can start where we are today and say, going forward, I'm going to make a commitment to be courageous in this area. There's no condemnation. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have messed up somewhere, but we can say, going forward, I'm going to be courageous. Do it it right. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to trust my flesh or even a culture. I'm going to trust God. I think his timeless principles are going to take some courage, but I'm I'm going to follow them. All right, moving right along. Number five, (laughs) he accepted the courage. He had courage to accept the responsibility of the country. That was huge. He gets promoted after interpreting the dream of Pharaoh. He's in jail, called out to interpret the dream of the Pharaoh, and he gets placed in charge of ruling the country. Raw courage to do that. I'm just wrapping it up here. We could speak more on it. But then he also... He had the courage not to return evil to evil to his brothers. Years later, his brothers come. Famine has happened. David is ruling. David, Joseph is ruling. And his brothers show up. And they don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. It would have been really easy for Joseph to say, these turkeys don't recognize me. These turkeys put me in that pit. Because of those guys, I had to walk all the way from where I live to Egypt in the hot sun. And then I got put in prison. I had a cougar attack me. And there's a lot of reasons I could get even with you guys. So how about 10 years in a pit, you guys? Take that. But he didn't. That takes courage to forgive. It takes courage to realize that the blessings that are on your life or maybe even to help those who one time turned against you. Now I'm going to bless you. Maybe God's encouraged your life, built your life up. And then there comes a point where maybe a sibling, maybe a father, a mother, or somebody who years past hurt you, and now they come to you for help. Do you turn them away, or do you say, all that I went through so God could help, God put me in place to help you? That's rare courage, isn't it? Maybe, maybe a company that did you wrong. You know, it's interesting, and I'm running out of time, but it's interesting. When we first started the church, I mean, we were just, who are we? We were just this little group meeting down on Robson Street. And we'd, we'd reached out to some organizations for help and kind of got brushed off. It's like, you know, you're, you know, you're small. Oh, you have, you're a little bit charismatic. No, they kind of like, so I'm not sure we're going to help you. But now it's a number of years later, and oh, you're on the anchor block. Oh, you're no longer five people. Oh, could, could you now help us? 
Now, I've forgiven him, but I hadn't forgotten it. So, I... <laughs> so, but what is the blessing on our lives for? The blessing is for them. Not to say, oh, the tables are turned. The blessing is, yes, what can we do to help you? We're here to serve you. This is what Joseph did. Very courageous. I want to wrap up with this. Gordon Pennington, I, when I talked to him, he said, I actually wasn't in New York. I got called to Los Angeles and uh, was supposed to be on a flight there earlier or later. He was actually on one schedule. His ticket was bought on one of the United Airlines that crashed. And a couple of days before that, the company he was doing work for said, we need you in California earlier. He says, well, I'm booked on this flight and I want to be in New York. They said, well, you're working for us. Get over here. He said, it was very inconvenient. I had to change my plans, but I've come to realize that when God redirects our life, sometimes there's a lot of grace involved in that. And by his grace, I wasn't on a flight. I wouldn't have been here today had I been on that flight. And so I was back in California. And then four days later, I'm coming back to New York, and everybody else on the plane are L.A. Uh, fire department fighters, and they're flying with me. And I'm sharing part of my story with them. And I asked the fellow beside me what he was doing, and he shared with me how he was going to New York, is leaving his home, his family, all the privileges of there to go to New York, get on ground zero, get right down in all the muck and the rubble and the stench and that toxic environment. He says, I'm going to go there and I'm looking for even the faintest cry of help. We're going to go rescue the people that still might be trapped there. We're going to go find them. And that moment, Gordon, he said, I had a thought. I says, you know what, sir? That's what Jesus came to do for you. He left all the privileges of where he was. And he came down into a very toxic environment of rebellion to look for one cry. Because the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just the faintest whisper. Because in his voice, we hear authority, just like you would in a fireman. We hear compassion and love and caring. I'm here to rescue you in your toxic environment. Just a faint whisper. God help me. And our Lord Jesus responds. Today, he's asking you, will you cry out to me? I'm here to rescue you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.